Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 26th, 7 a.m. and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We're on page 23, starting with the first paragraph. These observations would be academic. We are reading that one paragraph only. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Tenzin P, the 12 traditions, Allison E. Readers of the text are Harlan G, Lauren N, and Du L. Our share ID from Thursday, April 25th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, wait. One moment, share ID. Okay, sure. <laughs> the share ID for Thursday, April 25th, is 12,826. The share ID for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting yesterday is 12,828. OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. Um, OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors um, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to please read the 12 steps of OA. Tenzin, please go ahead. Mm, good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from mm, the Washington, D.C. area. Okay, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct demands to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin. I will now ask Allison E. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, everyone. This is Allison E., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. I pass. Thank you, Allison. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book 
We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 23, the first paragraph. These observations would be academic. We're reading that one paragraph only. I will now ask Harlan G. to read uh, to begin reading. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Katie, and I want to thank Gabriella for lending us her mom today so we could have this great meeting. I'm Harlan G., recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. These observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. If you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a hundred alibis. Sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of a man who, having a headache, beats himself on the head with a hammer so he can't feel the ache. If you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, he will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. Well, this is a very, very vital paragraph in a vital book, in a vital chapter. What is this paragraph asking? It is asking a pertinent question of why we do what we do. And if you ask us, we really don't know until we come in. Here is the answer to why we do what we do. The reason that I ate railroad cars full of chocolate turtles to blot out the memory of eating railroad cars full of chocolate turtles is this. Because in my mind, when normal human emotions build, happiness, jealousy, sadness, anger, fear, boredom, what have you, they will create a pain within me that is intolerable and unbearable. And my mind, in search of relief from this intenable pain, will go to what it knows will bring me relief from that pain, and that relief will come in the form of exactly what has been killing me from the day I was born, and that is excess food. And I will eat that food in light of the havoc that this creates, because the main problem of me, the, my main problem centers in my mind rather than my body, because yes, the allergy is lethal, but the mind sets the terrible cycle in motion. And in search of relief from this pain, I will eat the food. And what will happen is, for about nine seconds, and my mind knows this very well, for about nine seconds, the world is a beautiful, beautiful place. Everything in it is beautiful. Everything in it is groovy. I want to buy the world a Coke, and I want to sing Kumbaya, and everything is wonderful. And about ten seconds in, the horror, the nightmarish pall of remorse of what I'm doing is upon me. But by then it's too late. And what has happened is I have triggered the physical allergy and I cannot stop. And I, along with others, are looking at me doing this and wondering why in the world, in the light of all the horror and nightmarish pain that I have suffered at the hands of eating food, am I doing it yet again? 
because until I discover the, 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 the uh, spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, and until somebody instructs me to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life through service and self-sacrifice for others, I will not know that there's an alternative answer to this. The only other answer to the pain of not eating comes in the form of the spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. A few reminders before we take our first list. We are on page 23 of the big book. In the chapter, there is a solution. Um, Starting with the first paragraph, these observations would be academic and pointless. Um, And if you have not shared in the past day or two, we are inviting you to um, to share. So please say your line, your name, once, and um, I'll do the best to hear you. Please go ahead. Tina S. Tina. Kim G. from South Jersey. Kim. Nancy P. Nancy. Rowena K. Rowena. Wow, so ordered today. Lane C. Lane. And one more. Kathy G. Kathy G. Awesome. So thank you guys. That was for friends. That was fantastic. So the list I have is Tina S. Kim G. Nancy P. Rowena K. Lane T. And Kathy G. If you're not Tina S., please press star one um, to mute your phone. And we'll begin. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. Tina S. Recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow. What a great paragraph, and thanks so much for the share. It was wonderful. You know, I come in here thinking it's all about the food, uh, and I always hear it's all about the food till it's not about the food. But the bottom line is, it, and it tells me in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that, that my problem centers in my mind, and it, that's exactly what it tells me here in, in this uh, paragraph. You know, and guaranteed, you know, I have to put down the food. But what allows me to do that, to have the ability to enable me to keep the food down, is taking care of the problem that centers in my mind. And that's through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, and it was just so graciously shared. You know, if I don't have that psychic change, the spiritual awakening, my mind is still going to tell me no matter how long, because I'm a great dieter till I'm not a great dieter, you know, and, and it's going to tell me, okay, well, you know, I've been away from that for a very long time. It's been almost 20 years. You know, maybe I can have a little bit. You know, and uh, the good news is that I have been there, done that, tried that does not work, still does not work. What does work, one day at a time, you know, to take care of the, the problem that centers in my mind is the transformation that comes about through the process of working the 12 steps. For me, and if you're like me, that's probably the only solution for you because I have tried everything else and it did not work you know and so today one day at a time i am free from the bondage of self and the bondage of food and the bondage of many, many other up substances because i take care of the problem that centers in my mind and with that i'll pass thanks thank you tina s all right kim g please go ahead good morning katie good morning everyone my name is kim g a recovered compulsive overeater from south jersey these observations would be academic and pointless. So what are these observations? We learned about those observations yesterday. That says we are equally positive that once he takes alcohol, whatever into his system, something happens both bodily and mentally. So they're talking there about the allergy. 
You know, if, if simply my problem with the allergy, then the simple solution is don't start. And why can't I do that? You know, for many years in Overeaters Anonymous, I thought step one was don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, no matter what. And what I'm being taught in this big book, and it's the truth for me, is step one is telling me I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat, unless I have a spiritual awakening. So as we transition to page 23, we're going to see the big book transition away from the allergy to the metal twist, because that is the crux of our problem. You know, when I say I'm insane around food, where is my insanity? So I want to give you a little analogy. Let's say I have a really, really bad reaction to poison ivy, but I absolutely love the hike. So what I do is I put on protective gear, make sure my body is totally covered. I know what poison ivy is, and I know how to avoid it. So I walk through the woods, and I hear all the beautiful birds singing, and I feel the sunshine on my face, and I can be in nature and be totally happy because my allergy to, to uh, poison ivy is totally academic. But what if I have a mind that while I'm walking in that woods, I can't even pay attention to the sunshine and the birds because my mind locks in on those poison ivy and goes, there's poison ivy over there, there's poison ivy over there, there's poison ivy over there. And because my mind is telling me that poison ivy is attractive, I strip down to my underwear and I roll around in the poison ivy and then I have this horrible reaction. If my insanity in my allergic reaction to the poison ivy or is my allergic reaction in my mind that doesn't allow me to enjoy the beautiful nature because it focuses in only on the poison ivy. And that is why I have to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Not because of the allergy, but because I have a mind that regardless of the consequences, regardless of all the consequences that have happened, my mind is still going to tell me, hey, it's not that big of a deal. You've lost five pounds. You're at goal weight. You've been absolutely for 10 minutes. You're making way too big a deal out of this. And so this is so important for us to understand that the allergy, as bad as it is, is academic if I, if I don't start. But the reason I come to OA is because I have a mind that will not allow me to not start. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. All right, Nancy P., please go ahead. Hi, thanks for letting me share, Nancy P. in Newton, Massachusetts. So, yeah, the um, as has been said um, so well by the previous speakers, the problem re resides in my mind. My body can heal and become different. My mind will never become different. And, um, you know, I used to worry you know, when I was used to, meaning when I was going through the steps, when I came into, you know, vision and I was going through the steps, I was like, this is just never going to work. I mean, I'm just never going to, I'm never going to get this. And, you know, I would read, I got my big book. I was, I've been like sort of aware of this. I got my big book. It's dated June 23rd, 1979. And, um, you know, I used to read this book and I would feel very uplifted, but I didn't live what was in the book in between reading it. So as soon as you put it down, you forget, you know, or I, I did anyways. And um, it was only when I started to live this, what it says in this book, 24-7, um, that I began to see a change. And, you know, I have to say that, um, you know, somebody said to me, uh, some um, 
someone called me, I can't even remember if it was a sponsor that said it or someone that called me said, you know, I don't know, this is just, I just want to, I just know that every day it's such a struggle. Do you ever wonder? And I said, every day I wonder. That's why I do this work every day so that I can unkink the kink that's in my brain. And I got to say that, um, you know, I woke up or yesterday I had, you know, I feel like my life is just a series of walking through these difficult situations. And yesterday something else happened, um, probably because there wasn't anything immediately on the horizon that was a catastrophe. So something happened and, um, and I had to, I am still walking through it. And, you know, it was hard for me to get to sleep last night in spite of the fact that I was, um, you know, did my inventory, had done, you know, lived a life of sane and happy usefulness. And, and then as soon as I woke up this morning, it was right back with me. And, you know, I had to, as I planned for my day, I had to pray about that, like it says in this book. And, um, you know, I can tell you that one thing that didn't happen was that I was wondering about how quick I could get to the grocery store to buy some binge food. And what didn't happen is when I was um, packing my kids' lunch, I didn't have any sneak any extra anything. You know, what didn't happen is that food did not come up as an option to get through this at all. And, you know, I got to say that 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 is a miracle. It is a miracle in the form like parting of the seas and all the rest of it. It's a miracle, but it isn't a mystery. Just like my sponsor said, you know, I'm still amazed every day I pinch myself that it's really true because I still feel sometimes like a fraud. But but that's just my disease talking. I know that this is real. I know that I've changed. Thank you. And I'll wrap up. And um, yeah, I food did not come up as an option today or last night. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Okay, next we'll have Rowena K. Followed by Lean T. Rowena, please go ahead. <clears throat> Hi, this is Rowena K. from the United Kingdom. I'm grateful for recovering. Um, Rita. Um, yeah, and therefore the main problem of the alcoholic sense is in his mind rather than in his body. And this morning when I said the set-aside prayer, you know, I just said, God, please help me set aside everything I think. Um, because that's what the problem is. It's everything I think. Um, and um, when I think about my last bender, which was uh, about six weeks ago, um, that happened because I didn't prioritize my program, you know, and that's always why it happens nowadays for me. Um, if I go into the food, it doesn't happen immediately. Um, so the bender for me will look like I stop calling people, I stop meditating, you know, I stop doing my spiritual practice, and then that's when um, I'm at risk of going into the food because I'm, I'm not doing those things. And they're not hard to do, you know, there's just that's what the problem is, is my mind thinks it knows what's best for me. And I really don't know what's best for me. I honestly don't. Um, and the only way I can actually challenge my mind is with this program um, and with fellows, with coming to meetings. Um, and um, I guess I'm feeling grateful today because in the last few days, um, I've been doing exactly that, not prioritizing my program. And, you know, I only realize there's a problem when I get to the point of feeling absolutely miserable, restless, irritable, and discontent. And I don't know, I just have to come back. And, you know, I just have to be grateful as well that, you know, because of God's grace, 
um, I get to see when I'm I'm going off, you know, towards a bender, and I'm and I can reconnect, you know, without actually going into the food. So um, I'm really grateful to be abstinent today, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rowena. And we will now have Kathy G. And then we will take another set of names. Kathy G, please go ahead. Kathy, press oh. star one to unmute. Oh, there you are. Can, oh, can hi, you explain? Oh. We're going to have Kathy G share. Um, and then we will uh, take our next set of names. So Kathy G, please go ahead. Okay, Katie, thank you so much. It's Kathy G, Recovered uh, Compulsive Overeater in Illinois. I'm grateful to be with all of you today. Thanks so much for all the insights already this morning. Uh, as I read this, I wanted to jump in this morning because this is, this is exactly why I came into this program, this paragraph, because no matter what I knew about myself, no matter what I tried, I could not be sane when it came to food. And when I looked at the word fallacious, I thought, yeah, let's look at that. And here's some synonyms for fallacious. Um, it says that if you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, he'll laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. Um, and the word fallacious means erroneous, false untrue, wrong, incorrect, faulty, flawed, inaccurate, inexact, imprecise, mistaken, misinformed, delusive, fictitious, fabricated, distorted. Yeah, that's pretty much how I am when it comes to uh, M&Ms or Kit Kats or, you know, Hershey Kisses, whatever it is. Uh, typically sugar for me. The key is in this paragraph is the first bite. You know, they say the first drink. But for me, step one is really about admitting that I am powerless over the first bite. Once I finally understood that if I picked up one M&M, it was going to trigger the physical allergy, get me into the mental obsession, and I'd be off to the races. That was really helpful, but I needed step two to be restored to sanity so that once that thought came in, I could actually take different actions. And then, uh, you know, because of those two steps kicking in, then I could make a decision that I had to turn my will and my life over to the care of God because this insanity that I have regarding food is not something that I can fix or deal with by myself. I needed all of you. I needed to hear that there was a solution like we're in in this paragraph and that it was happening for you because I hadn't seen that before. So yet again, I just want to thank every person on this line for your consistency and your integrity and your willingness to take different actions today than picking up that first bite. And whoever it is that talks about, you know, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, that's really the drill. I've had to learn how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, how to get comfortable with dying to self, which is not an easy thing, but we can do it together and through these steps. 
and with God. So thanks so much, Katie, for your service. I pass. Thanks, Kathy. And I've made a mistake. Thank God that I'm not alone. Lane C., if you would please press star one to unmute your phone, we'd love to hear from you. Lane C., are you there? I'm here. Thanks, Thanks Katie. Lane. Go ahead. Yep. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service today, and thanks for uh, for leading this important meeting on this important topic. Um, you know, uh, for me, when I look at this paragraph, um, I I personally am pretty good with the academic, um, and and have spent a lot of I think brain power and heart power, mind power there, um, trying to figure out why. Um, and what that did was that really kept me from from getting into recovery, and even, and especially in moments of relapse, especially in the times, you know, in, in the last few years when I have been in that, that really tough and difficult place of relapse, asking the question why is what has, has kept me from some of the spiritual um, gifts of this program. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the less time I find that I have spent in the why, um, uh, the less, the more time that I can get into recovery, the more time that I can get into, um, uh, get, get into this program. Um, and, uh, I would say too, like this, this past weekend, I had a time which was really, um, I had a day that was, was super stressful and I had a moment of thinking that I could eat a particular food that I had taken off my list. And just, you know, just this once, or maybe I can add this food back in or whatever. And um, it's amazing the havoc that, you know, that this created in me. Um, that, and, you know, I spent, it was on Sunday, I spent all Monday morning just like in this really uh, tumultuous place mentally and emotionally. And I'm really grateful that, you know, that um, my higher power guided me to reach out to my sponsor and to talk about it and to not try and hold that havoc in because I think that's what I've attempted to do in the past is to try and handle it and control it on my own. But gratefully, my higher power, you know, directed me to call my sponsor. And, um, and certainly, as I was sitting there with her on the phone describing what was going on, it sounded like the philosophy of a man who having a headache beats himself on the head with a hammer, you know, so that he can't for the I just had all these different excuses and things like that. And her encouragement was just to get quiet, take it to my higher power, turn it over, revisit some pieces of um, the doctor's opinion, revisit some pieces of uh, more about alcoholism. And I'm really grateful for this paragraph, too, because it really um, helps me kind of see this situation in new light. I'm so grateful for all of you, for your shares, and, um, and grateful for your service today. Thank you so much. I'll pass. Thank you, Lane C. Okay, before I take my next lineup or the next lineup, I just want to remind everyone, we are in the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 23, starting with the first paragraph. We are reviewing one paragraph only. These observations would be academic. And just a reminder that if you have shared in the last day or two, we ask you to kindly take a step back so we can welcome new voices. So if you'd like to share, please say your name and I'll write it down. Mary Beth S. Mary Beth. Penny C. Penny. Carmela G. Barbara P. Okay, I got Carmela and Barbara. Two more. Press star one if you'd like to throw your hat in the ring. Judy M. Judy. 
One more. Hudson L. Hudson. Okay. We'll stop there. That's a great lineup. So we have Mary Beth S, Penny C, Carmela G, Barbara, I believe it is T, Judy M, and Hudson L. So if everyone would kindly meet their phone, we'll get started with Mary Beth S. Good morning, Mary Beth. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for your service. Wow, this is such a great paragraph. And what has jumped out at me is that I'm working on my fifth step with my sponsor, and um, she had the gall to say that, you know, I'm thinking about um, letting go of a certain kind of food after I had tried to let her know that, you know, I've taken all these blood tests and they're conflicting and I sent in a piece of my hair and to this place to see if that would work. And oh my God, you guys, I'm just like doing everything I can to not give up this one thing. And um, as if the, you know, like so many of us have said so far, it's, you know, boils down to, I'm not unique. And it's really uncomfortable that all of you guys are telling my story. <laughs> and, um, you know, the whys and everything are just a waste of time, like somebody just said. And, you know, she, my sponsor, God bless her. She said, okay, Mary Beth, I'm really, cons <laughs> she goes, I really don't want to say this, but Maybe it's time to give up blah, blah. And I'm like, and I was the guy at the end. He will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. But, you know, at least I am, I have like this kernel of sanity where I did laugh. And then I told her I hated her. And I was just kidding, really. And. But that irritation, you guys, I woke up with that this morning, and all I wanted to do was strip off my clothes and roll around in the poison ivy. But thanks to you guys in this program, today I am committed to not eating that substance. And now that I've told you, you know, there you go. And I love you guys. So much. Thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Mary Beth S. We will now have Penny C. followed by Carmela G. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for leading. And yes, this is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from the Boston area. Um, I was at a retreat several years ago led by one of our wonderful teachers, Laurie C., and he said several times during that retreat weekend that the AA 12 and 12 is a group of brilliant essays written by Bill W. So I'd like to read something here that addresses just what the paragraph talks about. On page 46 of the AA 12 and 12, it says, For most of us, self-justification was the maker of excuses. Ex excuses, of course, for drinking and for all kinds of crazy and damaging conduct. We had made the invention of alibis a fine art. We had to drink because times were hard 
or because times were good. We had to drink because at home we were smothered with love or got none at all. We had to drink because at work we were great successes or dismal failures. We had to drink because our nation had won a war or lost a peace. And so it went, ad infinitum. And and isn't that, you know, so uh, I know for myself um, I wasn't always sure of what the excuses were, but I knew, even as a kid, that you know that I must have a good reason for being, you know, the only fat fat kid in my family for for wanting, you know, can't wait to get home to just eat, eat, eat. Um, it, it it just was went on. I'd infinitum with with more and more reasons I tried to give myself why I was eating. I knew there was something wrong with me, but I didn't know what. So I filled in the blanks until I got to OA and they told me at that first meeting, you have a, we have a disease. Then the excuses weren't necessary anymore. You know, I had a disease. I knew why I ate. And now, now that I knew, I knew better, I needed to do better. And just like any other disease, I needed to look for the treatment. And and I and I found the treatment in the AA big book. Got to studying that. Within a year I was in a big book step study and I haven't stopped studying and practicing what the big book teaches me since. So, you know, excuses, um, yeah. They, they did become, and alibis became a fine art. What a what a fantastic sentence that is. And, uh, you know, now with the help of God and only with the help of God, I can say I'm recovered and I don't need excuses anymore because I don't eat compulsively, as I said, with, with the help of God. And I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. We'll now have Carmela G., followed by Barbara, I think it's T. Carmela, please go ahead. Thank you so much, Katie. This is Carmela G. from New York. Thank you for your service. Thanks for everyone on the line who shared and is just out there listening. We all matter. The thing about this statement is I always knew it was in my body. I never thought it was in my mind. And it took me six decades to realize that I did not know how to live life. And then I argued, how could I not know how to live life when I had such a successful career and I did, quote, unquote, so much? But you see, I was doing it under anesthesia. The food was my solution, the anesthesia. I that's what kept me able to put one foot in front of the other. That was my higher power. And only when I put it down am I able to clear the mind. And once I didn't realize, I can't say I all of a sudden I got smart. <laughs> no way. Because to this day, I am insane. But the gift that is given to me, if I am willing to surrender, so that's one, two, and three, 
those steps give me the foundation to open up, open up my heart, open up my mind every day and listen to my higher power that I call God who loves me so perfectly. Why would I want to go against him? So I, before I move out of that bed, I connect and I pray to please guide this insane woman each day so that I don't ever give in to that compulsive first bite. Because life's going to happen, and I'm going to want a solution. But food is no longer my solution. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. I pass. Thank you, Carmela G. And now we'll have Barbara T., if that's the first initial of your last name, followed by Judy M. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. This is Barbara P., like peace. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, no problem. So the line that stands out to me this morning is this kind of analogy they use. I love the visuals about the man beating himself on the head with a hammer. But what really stood out even within that sentence is so that he can't feel the ache. And it is so clear to me, it is so clear why I ate when I ate. Um, There was, it, it always started with an ache of some sort. And that for me is the, at least opens up my vulnerability to the mental twist. So the ache might be real. It could be whatever's happening in my life. But all of a sudden, the lie comes in. And I have, I know, two main lies that my head tells me. And one is that food will give me comfort, even a little extra food. Like it's not even going right to the bunny ears. It is extra vegetables. Something will give me comfort. So I have an ache. I want to stop the ache. And food always felt like the answer. And today, and when it was pointed out to me that it wasn't, that I was eating for that effect, and that the ache just opened up this twist. It made me believe a lie. Um, the second lie that is so clear to me is energy. Oh, I will, I'll have the energy to do something. I'm so tired. My body aches. I'm tired. My mind aches. Uh, why don't I have something to eat? That will give me energy. And what a lie that is. Like It never did. If I look at my history of trying this over and over again for a lot of years, Never worked, not once, never. Always made me feel like I wanted to lay down and go to sleep. And then when I woke up, I didn't want to see anybody, didn't want to do anything either. So, but I believe these. It is, somebody used the analogy of dog training. I, I, it is almost like my mind is connected to those things and I can believe that lie if I am not totally surrounded by this program. So I do live in this every day, every moment. I try and bring it into my world because Otherwise, the, and I get an ache every day in some way, so I am going to look to that food. And, I, and for today, I don't want to believe that lie because they both are. It never gave me comfort and it never gave me energy. Um, and I'm sure there's more lies back in there. My disease keeps doing those push-ups and trying to figure out other ways to sneak in the back door. But I know the aches make me vulnerable, so I'm glad we're given a design for living, which for me is 10, 11, 12, really all the steps. But living in 10, 11, 12 solves the ache 
and then I see no need and have seen no need for to, for the extra food for the, the bite of whatever that bite looks like for me. So anyway, with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Barbara P. We'll now have Judy M. followed by Hudson L. Judy, please go ahead. Al, good morning. This is Judy M. from Greenville, Tennessee. Um, I, I want to say that I am a grateful, joyful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, bulimic, and food addict. And that once, um, that eating now is no longer the driving force in my life. And a couple of weeks ago, I led a meeting and I used this passage from the big book. And some of the people in the room simply had not really heard this message because sometimes we stick to other literature and for people to understand that it's the thought that comes first before we, before we do the eating was like this giant revelation for so many people in the room. And this is one of my favorite passages. I'm so glad that we're reading it today. Um, I will say that I got into this part of my program, seven and a half years of abstinence, um, when my husband was dying with Alzheimer's. And I knew that I had to become abstinent to go through what I was going to have to go through. And so the program has saved my life in that regard and given me so much new life. I've been in the program for four decades, but major, you know, major abstinence in these last years. But I want to thank you for this great discussion and for this, which to me is just like the meat of the program right here. Once we understand that and we realize that food can no longer be the first thing in our lives, then we go forward and we, we become aware of life, of people, of our higher power. My higher power is God. And I'm so grateful for this program and for all of you on the line. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Judy. We'll now have Hudson L. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is Hudson L. in Missouri. Um, thanks to everyone who is uh, organizing this meeting this morning. And um, I uh, felt compelled to share uh, the sentence, sometimes these excuses have plausibility. Uh, yesterday and the day before, but specifically yesterday, I had I had one of those days. If I were just speaking to people outside a group, I would just say I had one of those days. And by that, I mean um, a day that um, some, someone mentioned ache, the word ache. I felt achy, uh, both in my spirit and in my body. Uh, and those aches were disappointments, um, ha- strange happenings. <laughs> uh, my car got backed into and tore off my whole bumper. Uh, life was happening. Life was happening. I had some uh, some other disappointments the day before that even lagged uh, after step 10. And um, in that during that day, I found myself hungrier than usual uh, and was really trying to um, push up or push away from from the table, so to speak, and I did successfully. But nevertheless, it is what happens to us and happens to me when things feel uh, too much, uh, too big. And for me, it takes me, I go kind of in a shock mode for a while, so I'm just kind of, um, it feels like void of emotions, but they're all there. I just don't know where to place them. 
And within all of that, uh, hunger pains started to come up. And luckily, luckily I've been in the program long enough, which isn't very long, uh, but long enough to realize that that is my disease. That's my disease, that um, eating away the numbing or shocked feelings feel like a good idea, feel like something that would, would help soothe whatever is rumbling in me. And um, I didn't make that choice, and I did pray. And um, I did what the program told me to do, to move on and to and to to do step work on it. And so, uh, again, I'm just forever grateful for this line and for this community and um, for crawling out of the disease and into into a fuller life. So, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Hudson. Okay, it looks like we have time for two, maybe three names. Again, if you've not shared in the last day or two and want to throw your hat in the ring, uh, we're on uh, page 23, paragraph one. Who would like to share? Yvonne D.H. Yvonne, I got you. Darian K. Darian K. Anyone else? Okay. We'll wrap up our meeting with that. So, Yvonne, please go ahead. Thank you so much, and thank you for your service and everybody for sharing. Um, Yeah. Um, Thinking of the reading, it's not a matter of food. No, it's not. It's really not. It's uh, all in my mind. I've understood that. I'm uh, in recovery, and I'm calling from Germany. Um, I've been, I'm an alcoholic, and I grew up in, a, in an alcoholic family. I've been sober now 21 years, almost, and working in the steps and living in the steps and, and learning to do everything I can in the sense of this, of this program. Um, luckily, I could understand with my heart that it has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with food, but it has everything to do with my inner child, my high power. Um, um, it has everything to do with my spiritual, uh, life, with my spiritual day, with my willingness to do first three steps every day in the morning. What helps me a lot doing this first step is the set-aside prayer because it's so much of a surrendering. Wow, set-aside everything I think I know about abstinence. So, (coughs) sorry. So I really need to ask God every day for patience, for compassion with myself, for forgiveness. Uh, I'm not somebody who can uh, do things so consistently that I am going to do everything the best. I'm not this perfectionist anymore. But what I need, what I need every day is to be conscious of what is right now, about the present moment, about my weight now. 
and look at everything God is giving me. God is giving me so many things. There's so many aspects in my life which have to do with the 12 steps. And I'm so grateful for all the blessings I'm getting every day from God. So if something is not perfect, like my abstinence is not, uh, it is perfect for me, let's put it that way. It is perfect for me, yes. I am not overeating anymore. And this is a great gift for me. And it doesn't, it's not enough yet to, uh, to lose the way I want to lose, I, I need to lose. Time, but I am happy. Thank you so much. But I am happy and happier and happier every day. And with the fast, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Yvonne. And to wrap us up today, we'll have Darian Kay. Good morning, Darian. Please go ahead. Oh, good morning. Good or good morning, my friend Katie. Um, this is Darian um, Kay in the Berkshires, Massachusetts, recovered for today. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Hello. Sorry. Sorry, I was double muted. Darian, please go ahead. Hi, can you hear me? Yep, Katie. Can hear you. Oh, okay, okay, yep. good. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, so, um, oh, I just love all the shares. And we're talking about the, you know, beating yourself up to make the feeling that you already have go away. And I could so relate. And to me, usually that feeling is fear. And for some reason, it's the first feeling I get when I don't have control over something or I don't know how to do something or there's a change on the horizon or really anything, 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 Darian, are you there? Okay, let's try that again. Darian, are you there? Oh, too bad. Darian, press star one. Okay. Well, um, I think with that, we have about 30 seconds left before we need to wrap up our meeting. So I just want to say a, a bunch of gratitude to everyone who contributed so beautifully to this meeting. And um, I'd like to ask anyone who's interested to join us for a second unrecorded hour of study. Fuck off, because you're a nigger, you fucking piece of shit. Fuck off, because you're a nigger. Fuck you. Okay, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. Our share ID for today, April 26, 2019, is 12,830. Um, you know what? Oh, okay. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164.
followed by the serenity prayer. Lauren N., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Katie. Lauren N. here to uh, thank you very much for your lead. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God. As you understand God, admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Amen.